wherever you listen throughout the world. It's football time! Welcome back to the Gridiron, guys. Uh, it's Zach here again, as always. And this week, I'm very joined by a very good friend of the podcast, Riley Williams, punter from Missouri, um, and actually recently just transferred from Towson Tigers. How are things going with yourself, and how's the move been treating you so far? Yeah, really, really good, mate. Really good. Uh, excited to be here in Mizzou. Um, it's been a pretty hectic... Uh, it's been just short of a month now that I've been here. Um, it, was, it was a bit of whirlwind how it all happened. Um, I was... I was in New York with my dad when I uh, committed, then signed, and then found out I had two days to get myself here. So um, went back to Baltimore, packed my stuff. They booked my flight, and here I was. So it's good. I'm settling in really nicely, getting to know a lot of the guys on the team. Um, and, yeah, vibes are really high. So rolling into spring ball really nicely. I do love the sound of that. Now, I mean, for us, we haven't actually met in person yet, but I feel like we've probably known each other for a little while now. Um, I th- I'm not sure if it was sort of before your pro kick days or around when you sort of just kicked off, but you actually joined us for our inaugural fantasy comp. And, um, you know, so we've sort of been following <laughs> each other a bit now since then. And it's, you know, it's been awesome to watch your journey so far and see you grow and, you know, take those steps further into the college landscape. Uh, thank you, mate. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um. So, look, I mean, just before we jump into the football stuff, do you want to take us back to a bit of a younger Riley? I, I noticed, you know, they have you listed on ESPN from Victoria but I believe you're originally from Sydney. Is that correct? Uh, that's incorrect. I'm from oh, yeah. I'm from a little little town about half an hour out of Wagga Wagga in New South Wales. So a uh, couple of other pro kick products out of Wagga. You got yep. um, Steve Dawson, Max von Marburg, and Jack Brooks, all Wagga boys. Um, yep. So obviously Maxi at Syracuse, Dorso was at um, – Murray State and then University of West Florida and then Dorso's at Southern Alabama at the moment. Um, so, yeah, from Huron Creek, uh, born oh, really? in Sydney. Yeah, born in Sydney. <laughs> parents moved down to Wagga for um, dad's business at the time. Um, we're living on a little farm down there, uh, mainly cattle, and then I had a little, little dabble with sheep farming just to make a bit of pocket money. Um, and then... Uh, went to high school in the Blue Mountains, about an hour and a half out of Sydney, um, and was there for the most part. Um, was back and forwards between Sydney and Melbourne for a little while to play a bit of footy, and then COVID had other plans and pro kick rolled around. So, yeah, I'm going to have to get on to the guys that do the social media and make sure they change that because <laughs> as much as I love Melbourne, it's not home. No, I know. Well, you're on Creek. I mean, I've actually lived in Wagga for a few years, like through my uni days and stuff. And I mean, that Charles is like, Sturt? yeah, yeah, Charles Sturt boy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I did, I did play a bit of footy down there. I most recently actually played for Gann Main. So, um, but definitely when I was in my North Wagga days, we had plenty of game, good games against the Rock down there. Yep, yep, yep. The Rock. Um, <laughs> I was just five minutes from the Rock, so yeah, yeah. Mate, small world. It's great. It's a good place, though. So, I mean, yourself, you said you mentioned you played a bit of footy. Was it sort of a lot of just basically all AFL, I think? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, growing up in the Riverina, it's the lifeblood of footy, mm-hmm. AFL in um, New South Wales. So 
Um, started started up with the Auskick days for the uh, the Henty Swampies, yeah. um, and then um, yeah, rolled through the junior ranks until moved up to the Blue Mountains. Picked up with the Blue Mountains Kangaroos was the local team. Um, soon after that, I was transitioned into the GWS Academy, and I was with those guys until. Uh, it was the under 16, 17s program. Um, and, you know, obviously at that time for a lot of guys, there's the the conversations about you know, draft. Are you going to get drafted? Are you going to get rookie list? Or are you not going to go anywhere? Um, and like there was there was potential, there was scope to go further, but um, I was at a point in my footy where I wasn't too sure if I wanted to take it to that level. So I decided to step away from the um the giants and um this was also in the midst of my hsc year so going through year 12 um i i bombed pretty 11 year 11 pretty bad because i was focusing so much on footy so yeah. uh it took a year to get my priorities straight finished high school was playing a bit of local footy um had a Pretty good year playing in a local local seniors comp. Um, went to the I don't know if you've heard of Uni Games or the Uni Sport yeah, National. Yep, yep. No, I've done a fair few of mine. I mean, certainly it's completely different, obviously, to you know university sport over in America. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, worlds apart, and we know we know what we're talking about in that regard. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, had a, had a pretty good tournament. Um, was named on starting on ball for the um the team team of the tournament and they um our what was he uh I was representing ACU and our head yep. coach he was the head academy coach for the Brisbane Lions and he'd done yep. a fit fit of work with their it was their NEFL side at the time and he said to me like have I you know where am I going with this footy thing? Um he encouraged me to move down to Melbourne and I moved down to Melbourne hmm. Couple of months later, um, and I managed to get a spot on the roster at Eastern Rangers um, as one of the overage boys there. So um, was going well, put in a good preseason. Um, we played our scratch matches in the trial games, and it was towards a March, April. So we're coming up on season start, and COVID just blew up. Yeah. So they put a they put a line through all organized sport in Victoria. I'm sure you remember that year. And um yeah, forced to go back to Sydney. Um so I was playing for an, another local team up there. I was lucky that I got to play the first five rounds of the year and then I got really, really crook. Um so I got glandular glandular fever, what it was called. It just ran me down, chronic fatigue, all the rest. Hmm. So by the time it took about six months fully to get past that and my head just wasn't in it anymore. Um, wasn't, wasn't feeling footy anymore. I tried to get up for a preseason, did well, but when your head's not in it, your heart's not in it either. And I pulled the pin the Thursday before round one. Um, and it was a month after that, that I moved to Melbourne and got started with pro kick. Yeah. And so, I mean, geez, that's a, yeah been around the traps i suppose but when you're talking about sort of pro kick um what sort of 
what what took you towards that path i suppose were you had you had your eye on american football for a little while there before that or had someone sort of mentioned to you you know this is a this is another opportunity you know obviously like afl itself you know is a completely different road but if you want to go down this one and use your abilities you know there's actually a viable option to that next level for you yeah of course um so i remember like i've been a big fan of the game since i was in high school like it was just one of those things that you know yeah, the group of mates that I was with, we loved NFL, we loved NBA, we loved ice hockey. Mm. We were just those guys that liked American sports. Um, and it was it was about that time where I was I was hanging up the footy boots and I um I had a good mate of mine, Noah Trace is his name. I went to high school with him, he was the grade below me. Um, he'd moved down to Melbourne and started with Pro Kick and it was probably six months before I actually moved that he was in my ear mm. every week telling me about it. Like at first, at first, honestly, I wasn't too sure. I was a little bit skeptical. I'd had conversations with my parents. Um, and fair enough, when one of the head coaches is generic brand name, John Smith. <laughs> so, yeah, wasn't, wasn't too sure. Took my time to make a decision, but yeah, when I did a bit of research and I saw that, you know, the success rate for the program is in the 99th percentile and the coaches are as reputable as they come. Um, their knowledge and experience is absolutely priceless in preparing guys for the next step and taking their experience over to the United States. Um, so I did my research um, and the more I looked into it, it just... It looked like the right move at the time. Um, I was studying back in Australia. I wasn't particularly happy with the degree that I was doing and I, I really saw Pro Kick as a fresh start. So I, I took the opportunity with two hands. I was lucky to get some um, a couple of months in Sydney training with Mitch Crawford, former UTEP and Michigan State punter, yeah. um, to you know really get the fundamentals down pat before I moved to Melbourne and yeah, got there and six months later I had my offer from Towson. Wow, unreal. I mean, how did you find that initial changeover, especially like learning all the fundamentals? A lot of the guys we've been talking to lately have, have basically sort of mentioned it like it's not just like a straightforward talk and you really are, you know, really breaking everything down and, you know, changing your whole kicking style almost and starting from scratch. Oh, for sure, for sure. And like, you know, the example that comes to mind is NFL Australia posted um, the Aaron Sipos you know, St Kilda versus Philadelphia yeah. Eagles. You look at his kicking technique and how that's changed in 10 years. Um, it is. It's not like kicking a top. Um, and you look at the guys, like when I first started um, at Pro Kick and I was talking to guys that I went to high school with and they said, oh, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Sorry, mate. You couldn't. But, um, yeah, like obviously at first, um yeah, yeah, you're told by Chappie, Johnny, Gleeso, um, or for me it was Croft, all right? I want you to kick a top off two steps. You feel as uncoordinated as it comes. So, you know, they're going sideways, they're coming off the boot looking like all sorts of ugly. Um, and, you know, it's not good for the confidence, but that's half the mental battle. When you, when you know your craft well enough um, that you can break it down, you go back to the fundamentals and 
it, it, it really is rep after rep after rep of your ball drops, your line drills, all these other technical components that really come together to perfect a punt. Um, the way Chappie talks about it is, you know, it's it's not a cookie-cutter approach, but all the technique drills for every punter, regardless, are going to be the exact same. So you put on the shackles, you train with the shackles on, you kind of conform to the norm for however long it takes, and when you've got your fundamentals down pat, you can put your own flair on it and then you just you just make of it what you can. And guys that do really well, you know, you look at the, you know, you look at the Michael Dixons of the NFL world mm. and compare Michael Dixon to Mitch Wisniewski and apples and oranges. Yeah. But they're the best at what they do because they put in the work, they did their time and they keep on perfecting their craft. So like there's myself and one other punter here at Mizzou, I'm six foot one. He's six foot six. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, we're both we're both different punters, but you know, when it comes down to it, we're really not that different after all. Yeah, of course. And I suppose you mentioned in there a bit, you got picked up from Towson about sort of about six months. How did that sort of mm-hmm. offer come about? And were there any other schools involved at the time, or was was it just sort of like first come first serve type thing? Pretty much like it's the way that um, Johnny explained it to me was a school will call up and say, hey, who have you got for us? And it's the most ready at the time. So um, as with any guy, there'll be a school that comes along. um, Obviously, it's mentioned to you. You do your research. Do they fit academically? Do they fit locale wise? is the football where you want to go? Um, really, the guys that say no to any of those are kidding themselves because the opportunity of a lifetime is right there in front of you. Um, and you go ahead and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Like I had schools that were interested in me um, that went cold, didn't hear boo from them, decided that they were going to go with an American kid, which is perfectly fine. You know, they're looking for the guy that's going to do the job for them. If they think someone else is going to do it better, that's their decision to make. Um, But it was six days from when Johnny mentioned Towson to me to when I committed. So that was just just before Christmas I heard from them and then it was just before New Year's I'd committed. And then obviously signed, signing date in February, moved over in August um, of this year, just gone. Um, and I, I'd i gone back to Sydney from Melbourne to spend some time with family uh, over the Christmas break and wasn't wasn't expecting anything. I, um, I went for a kick with a couple of the Sydney boys. We got some good film. I sent it through the coaches. Two days later, Johnny goes, hey, check out Towson. Had my degree. It was in a big city, Baltimore, like beautiful place. Yeah. Um, we didn't, unfortunately, didn't get too many chances to spend some time in there, but, you know, a D1 football program. You say no to that, you never know when the next one's going to come across. Chappie, yeah. Johnny, Gleason reminded me of that every time a school came around. Um, and... 
yeah, I just said, yep, thumbs up, let's go, let's make it happen. I got a call from uh, Coach Lyndon Johnson, was my coach last year. He gave me a call. Um, he said he liked my film, said he wanted to have a look at making this happen. And it was about a week later that I'd committed over the phone. And, yeah, just I, had, I knew I had to step it up a notch. So it got real. Yeah, it's such a whirlwind experience, isn't it? You sort of mentioned the timeline and it's so quick after you're committing and then you're pretty much turning around and getting on the plane and, you know, starting school and starting looking at working for that, um, you know, the program and just getting things rolling. Yeah, yeah like when you, I honestly, it, it it's like college football athletes over here are commodities. They're bought, mm. sold, changed, exchanged, whatever. Um, when you belong to a program, it's your responsibility to represent them through how you act on the field, how you act off the field. And I, I jumped at that with open arms when I was at Towson and now I'm embracing it even more so here at Mizzou. Like it's, it, it's Mizzou is a very special place. Towson is as well. It's opportunity of a lifetime for anybody who takes it up. Yeah, it's just amazing. And, I mean, how was the initial move to Towson? Did you find any cultural shocks or, you know, how was uni life in comparison to uni back at home? Oh, like most colleges over here are much bigger than yeah. universities in Australia. Like the the ones in Sydney that I can think of that are, that are big are probably the Macquarie unis and the Sydney unis and they're, they're still tiny compared to... Towson was considered a small school. It still took me 15 minutes to walk across campus. Um, and now here at Mizzou, Mizzou is huge. Like it's a beautiful old university, but I, it, it's like you, you step out of class at the same time as everybody else finishes class and you're walking through Chadston Mall on a Saturday. <laughs> it's, it's shoulder to shoulder. There is no room people everywhere, um, you know, a small, small college town. There's a lot of familiar faces when you're walking down the street. Um, culturally, you know, food, <laughs> food, <laughs> like Mac, Mac and cheese is just one of those things that you walk down the supermarket aisle and you go, no, I'm not getting that. Yeah. Over here, it's at every restaurant, every barbecue, I think I've eaten barbecue in one capacity or another every day since I've been here in the Midwest. Um, like, you know, I'm glad that the, um, glad that we're track, we're training so much. Otherwise it wouldn't be doing great things for the figure. Um, <laughs> uh, other than that, like it's some of the questions you hear about Australia are pretty funny. Like, yeah. um, you know, is it really upside down? No. <laughs> Do your toilets really spin the other way? Yes. Yes, that's that's the thing. That's the thing. Um, they go, wait, how? Do your research. It's got to do with magnetic energy. Um, and then uh, sometimes, you know, we we're, were kicking yesterday and the boys were playing Keith Urban. You know, oh, yeah, he's Aussie. Wait, really? Um, some of the boys come up, do you know who Margot Robbie is? Yeah. <laughs> She's Australian. Chris Hemsworth? Yes. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's a crack up. It's pretty funny. Um, but I guess Australian culture is so Americanized, you know, food, mm. sport, movies, um, music as well. 
So it's pretty funny. Like one of, I had coffee with, there's an Australian girl who plays basketball here. Um, if ever anybody asks what she did for work back home, she says, I was a kangaroo shooter. I worked at an airport and I'd shoot the kangaroos off the runway. <laughs> and they buy it every day. Uh, hook, line and sinker, hey, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, mate, it's it's hilarious. But it's good sport. No, I'm loving it here. Everyone's really friendly. So it makes it really, really enjoyable when you're so far from home. Yeah, that's it. You just need that because especially when you're spending so much time away and I don't know because you sort of came over last year, that was your first year. Did COVID sort of impact your ability to get home too much or was it has it sort of passed by then? It impacted my ability to get over, um, mm. like going through the whole recruiting process. That was that was a big that was a big thing. Um, like there was you know whispers of it happening the season before last, but COVID really put that to bed. Um, and then, um, yeah, not so much getting home now. Um, we obviously had our COVID scares last year. Uh, the game against West Virginia that Towson played, I mean, there were 12 guys down with COVID that week. Um, I really don't think that would have impacted the result too much. We got whooped. <laughs> um, but, yeah, not so much. I think really this Christmas just gone – it was a it was a financial thing more than more than anything else, but oh mate, I can't wait to get home for Christmas this coming this coming year. Um, I heard it was a bit cold cold back home this year at Christmas time, so I'm hoping that changes in the next twelve months. <laughs> yeah, mate, it's been a little bit. Uh, yeah, it was very overcast at least where I was, and even yeah, I popped up to Brizzy and it was like raining for like the whole two days, you know, Boxing Day and Christmas. So. It's been, it yeah, feels like it's been like that lately. I don't know. It's hard to get a really nice day on Christmas these years. That doesn't sound like Queensland, does it? I know. Yeah. So opposite. But I know. And I was trying to escape to Canberra as well, but it just followed me wherever I went. Right. Right. <laughs> but so that's all the off field stuff. Looking at your first year at on the football field, um, you know, looking at your first game, you suited up against Bucknell. So straight into it, there was sort of like a real grind first. I think it went to OT. Did you feel any sort of nerves coming into that game? And I talk about this with a couple of the other guys. You know, it's really one of those niches with the pro kick that often like your first actual competitive game of, you know, American football is at the college level, which is it's really cool. But it, it, it could probably be pretty nervous playing out against, you know, potential thousands of people. Yeah, like I was, I was pretty lucky that, you know, with the scheduling I was eased into it, but that didn't change how I felt about the game. Like, like we said, every... Every Australian, pretty much, unless you know you've played in the AFL or VFL or whatnot, your first game is going to be in front of a crowd, which a mm. lot of guys haven't done before. Um, you know, I didn't play against, I didn't play in front of too many crowds back home, so you know it was a bit of a shock to me. And same thing, you know, you do, you do your fall camp, you get you get comfortable with the line of scrimmage and having guys in front of you in a rush, but um, yeah, the game atmosphere was. It was very, very different. I was obviously pretty nervous. Um, I don't remember how I slept the night before, but I remember when it was time for punt, um, I was kicking into the practice net and I'm just going, this doesn't feel good. It's not coming off right. Um, I didn't have a good week leading into the game. I remember that. Um, So I'd won won the job in fall camp. Um, That week of practice was a little bit hit and miss. Um, And... Thankfully, in warm-ups before the game, I just got it right. Um, so I felt good until I got to the practice net. 
but obviously you don't know. It's into the net. Um, I went out for my first punt. It was lucky. It was uh, sky punt territory. So I just hit an end over end, dropped it inside the 10. Um, and nerves kind of just went away. Um, so it felt pretty good. Second punt was a, a 50 yarder that put us in good position. Um, the two after that were sky punts. And then there was one late in the fourth quarter where it started to get pretty cold and it was a mongrel, but we moved on to the next game and yeah, just built day after day. West Virginia was a, was an, was an experience. Um, I think that was about a full 70,000 stadium. Yeah. And I think there might have been 4,000 at Bucknell, 12,000 home opener at Towson. And then, yeah, 70K at West Virginia. And yeah, that was, that was <laughs> something. Even on the sideline, our coaches said all, all day, do not turn around. Don't listen to a word they say. There were twelve-year-olds yelling things that I wouldn't say right now. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was something that's for sure. So but that was good fun. That was I got to play against Ollie Straw, another Aussie that that game, and uh, he was one of two boys that I got to play against um, last year. Which you know, refreshing to see an Aussie hear hear an accent and yeah, just catch up with someone that you know. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? And you see a lot of those guys when you get those pro kick ones coming together um, and you're able to just share that experience. And I suppose you all, you all went through that same thing. And it's quite enjoyable watching the pro kick guys because it's like as much as you guys are competing for spots against each other, you've still got that really good team dynamic and, you know, that love for each other, which yeah. is awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like every – I think it's fair to say every guy that goes through pro kick kind of gravitates to their little group of mates. Like mm. I was very lucky – um, uh, Ethan Baxter is one of my best mates. He's over at Cal Berkeley at the moment. Um, I still keep in touch with him every day. Um, and a bunch of the other guys, you know, I, I remember after Monday, our our ritual would be uh, we'd finish practice, we'd go get Subway. We'd go from Subway to Coles, walk to the back of Coles to see what the chocolate milk prices were going for. And if ever there was one that was being flogged off for a dollar or 50 cents, yep, that would go nicely with our subway. And we just sit down and have a chat. And that really builds, you know, those friendships when a lot of guys are moving from interstate um, mm. to to start pro kick. And it really feels like you've got a, a solid group of mates that support you, you push yourselves. And when you see those guys succeed, it's it's pretty, pretty special. So I'm excited to see ETH do well this year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you mentioned that West Virginia game. And that sort of next streak, you guys unfortunately did go on a losing streak, but I suppose as a punter that meant that you got out a lot and you, you were able to kick a lot and sort of get into it. You looked like you averaged pretty, pretty nicely at high 40s. Um, you know, did you feel along that road that you got into a bit of a rhythm and found that you, you found your feet at the college level and that you probably belonged? Yeah, I definitely, definitely got more comfortable with, you know, playing at that level. Um, but, you know, when I say that, you know, after – after my first punt, like I kind of shed the nerves. Mm. It, I didn't really feel too much, too much nervousness after that. Um, like I, I feel like I understand my role really well. Like my job is to put the ball where it needs to go. I don't make it any more than what it needs to be. Um, at the end of the day, I'm a punter. I go out and fourth down when the quarterback doesn't get the job done. My job is to give the defense as much fields field to work with as possible. Um, 
Like my my big thing now is to just be as effective as what I can be. Mm. And I know effective needs to be, you know, if the ball's got to be outside the numbers, do it every time. If the ball's got to be four, five, 45, do it every time, be consistent and reliable. Um, and that was, that was all that I, I wanted for my team last year. That was all that I really aimed to be like, you know, the, the, the awards at the end of the season, that was a blessing. Mm. Um, but you know, I, I'm not trying to go out of my lane. I know that I'm the punter. You know, <laughs> punting is pretty. Nobody goes to football to watch the punter play. So, yeah, it's 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 fun. Like, I just love being around the team. I love doing what I can for the team. And if that means being a good punter at the end of the day, I love what I do. Yeah. Oh, that's unreal. And, I mean, you sort of talked about consistency just then. I mean, looking at one of your games against Monmouth, I mean, that one looked pretty wild because you guys were just trading touchdowns all day and you basically yeah. had the one punt at the start of the second half. How do you how do you prepare yourself and go through a game like that, trying to keep yourself ready, and then you're just basically able to go out there like on a dime and just pop it out there and deliver? Yeah, that was um... – that was a great game to be a part of. Um, I actually, I actually picked up a hip flexor injury that week, so I was, I was pretty ginger. Um, so for me, it was more so just keeping loose. So when mm. it came time um, to punt, I, I, I warmed up really well before the game. Obviously, keeping a num, keeping a number on the reps, and then did the same half time. Went out, punted. Um, for a lot of guys, it can be pretty challenging staying locked in for a whole whole game of football to, um, you know, third down rolls around, you hit the practice net, go check in with the coach, what's the go? Um, then sometimes you might be needed, sometimes you're not. Um, then for me, um, that was actually one of the one of the best games for me because I I really enjoy disconnecting from the game. Like I'll watch, but I don't buy too much into what's going on. So, you know, if in between plays, if they're playing a bit of music, I'm guilty <laughs> as anybody else is having a bit of a dance and a sing. Um, like it even got to a point last year where I was doing it so often, even when we were losing, it was it was kind of bad. I wouldn't, I wasn't allowed to do it anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that one there, I was. Um, yeah, just keeping an eye on the clock. You know, I knew that second down rolled along, hit one, third down rolled along, hit another one, check in with coach. Um, and then, you know, you're sharing in your team's success when your team's doing really well. It's, you know, it's something that you do want to watch. You don't want to be so focused on, yep, all right, three reps into the practice net. Um, when you warm up well at halftime and um, before the game, I find it's really easy to trust my process when I get out onto the field. Yeah. Oh, and so I suppose looking at that sort of game and you go from that one where you basically use once and then you go to a game towards the end of your season and one against Stony Brook where you're basically, you know, the main focal point, you and I think Aussie Clayton Taylor, you guys basically traded punts all game. How do you, yeah, yeah. that's that's completely different. And like, how'd your hammies feel after that one? They must've been a bit toasted. Like, <laughs> that's, There's a good story about that week. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was as crook as a dog. I did not practice all week. So I I don't know. There was something that was going through the team for about a three-week period, and I just picked it up. Um, and I went went to the lift on Monday morning. Uh, I battled through that, and then I was ready for practice. 
And the trainers came up to me and said, you don't look too good. And I said, I don't feel too great. They took my temperature and said, you are way too hot to train. So they sent me home, um, went home sweating bullets, um, slept all day, slept all night, um, didn't go to class at all that week, didn't go to practice. Like, obviously, you got to go and report every morning and then take your temperature, take your blood pressure, send you home. Um, and it was Thursday night, still hadn't practiced. I got a call from Coach Johnson. He said, hey, you need to practice tomorrow or you're not traveling. I woke up on Friday morning, still feeling awful. I was, I think there was antiviral meds. There was cold and flu meds. I was popping them like Tic Tacs. And then uh, one of my housemates had an energy drink in the fridge. So I put that down me and then rocked up to practice. I hit four punts. Had a day, had one of the best practice days of my life, feeling like garbage. And we managed to pick myself up on Saturday and had a decent game. So, yeah, that was just one of those games where um, Stony Brook's a pretty windy place. Like their, their stadium's kind of built into the ground, kind of like a bowl in the bottom tier, but it still blows pretty badly. So, um I knew that on those days, especially the way that I was feeling, I just had to find a way to get the job done, um, put the ball where it needed to go. Um, it got to about half time and my cold and flu meds wore off and the trainers wouldn't give me any more because it wasn't, yeah. wasn't four hours since I took them. Um, so the second half was pretty rough, but yeah, it was just one of those things that, you know, you found a will to get it there and the you know, team got the win at the end of the day. So that's all that matters. Yeah, and looking at your season as a whole, you guys end up finishing that year six and five. Um, you did mention you got some accolades. You ended up with you know all CAA second team um, and good numbers personally. But how was the view from the team's perspective? You know, was everyone in the organisation sort of happy about that year, or did it feel like there were maybe some missed opportunities there? Definitely some missed opportunities. Um, like when you look at a record like six and five, and you go all right, might have been win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. But when you lose five in a row, uh, morale was pretty low. Um, mm. You could tell body language of the players, body language of the coaches. Um, honestly, the locker room wasn't a good place to be. It wasn't wasn't friendly. There were guys that were bad-mouthing each other in the locker room. There were fist fights going on every day. Mm. Um, now it's the things that you don't like to hear about it, but unfortunately it's the reality of... Um, uh, a lot of losing college football programs. So um, we kind of stripped it down to basics and um, we, instead of being so focused on winning, I think everyone just really wanted to enjoy their football. You know, so a lot of guys, um, we, we'd play, we'd play more. We, we played a lot of like scrimmage style stuff at, at practice just so guys could, you know, get in reps, have a bit of fun, do a bit of one-on-one. There was a lot of seven-on-seven. Um, but that's what guys enjoyed. And surely enough, the culture improved rapidly um, after that first win against Monmouth. And we went to put four on the trot and finish the season really well. Um, so, you know, you look at the game, the game against Delaware. Uh, it was just a couple of turnovers that was the difference in that game. 
much the same against Elon, much the same against William and Mary. So yeah, there were it, that season definitely could have looked very different for Towson had a couple of other things gone our way, but look, we all came out the other side. A winning record's a winning record on paper at the end of the year, and that was Towson's first winning record since 2018, 2019. So that was a big deal for the program. Yeah, it's crazy. And you sort of mentioned culture, and it, it's just interesting to see how so entwined it can be with your results, you know, especially at a college level where there's such a varying difficulty of skill level. Sometimes all that can make the difference is basically just, you know, having that good fun and those good times, and that's what brings those guys and brings the best performances out of them, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Um, like you look at, you know, some of the, some of the best, not necessarily college football coaches, but just some of the best coaches in the world. Mm. Um, you know, I'll use the example of soccer. There is so much passion and so much love for what those guys do that that's what gets them out of bed every morning. Like for a lot of professional athletes, it's the money that gets them out of bed every morning. So, you know, for us, you know, college athletes that aren't getting paid. That's that's the only thing that'll get you out of bed if you love what you do. So, you know, it makes it very easier for me. And that's really what turned the season around for a lot of guys last year. Yeah. And so now you've since landed at Missouri via the transfer portal. How did this one end up coming about? You know, were you on the lookout for basically a move or did some other schools come knocking and sort of suggest maybe looking at the portal and seeing what was available to you? Um, well, once the season finished, it was it was a very interesting time at Towson. Um, obviously, the the coaching staff from last year was moved on, um, which is it was just unfortunate when you get to know a staff like that at your first program that you know obviously recruited you, um, picked you up, and moved you halfway across the world. Um, so. I wasn't too sure what my move was going to be for quite some time. And obviously I had discussions with Chappie and Johnny and um, a couple of other people. Um, and I decided that I wanted to explore what was out there. So um, I hit the portal um, and as soon as my information was made available to coaches, I got a call from Johnny and said, uh, coach Eric Klink from Mizzou um, wants to give you a call. Um, and obviously they'd spoken uh, prior to that. And I spoke to Coach Link and once again, just the recruiting speech that we like what you do. We like your film. We want to see if we can make this happen. Um, now, obviously for someone in my position, it was a little bit different. So I've got one year of eligibility left, but I've applied for two waivers. So when you're looking at the success of or the potential success of a program, the longevity of your players is obviously mm. something that's really important. So um, we've taken, we've rolled the dice a little bit, getting me here to try and see if it'll go the distance, but you know, the, the staff here in compliance have got a lot of confidence in the waiver process and we're really excited to hopefully have three, four years here. Um, but it was, yeah, back to the recruiting story. It was, it was just one of those things. By the time I signed, I had, couple of days to get my stuff together and move here and when I say get my stuff together I packed it and I still left it there so all my <laughs> stuff's still back in Baltimore <laughs> so I'm I'm going I'm living off the clothes on my back the ones that they've yeah. given me no nah, I'm, I'm as proud as punch to wear the Mizzou logo so wouldn't take it off in a heartbeat 
Oh, no. And those college football programs, they can certainly kick you out in some pretty good gear, can't they? Yes, I've, I've been spoiled since I've been here. The uh, Yeah, the equipment guys do really take care of us. Uh, how was your initial move to Missouri, I suppose, both on and off the field? And you mentioned, you know, at the start a bit about it's just chaos sometimes with the amount of people are there, but especially like between the facilities. You go from Towson, which is an FCS, it's still Division One, but now you're going yeah. to an SEC, FBS, Missouri, you know, one of the big wigs, really. How, how's the difference been? Oh, it's been... Oh, it's it's probably not fair to say, but it's worlds apart. Mm. Like there is so much money that you just see being put into these facilities to really prepare all these athletes for the next level. Um, like the attitude here is you're here because you want to be here. You're here because you want to be the best, the best go to the NFL, full stop. Um, so facilities-wise, we've got – three practice fields, turf, grass, another grass, because, you know, most of the field, most of the teams you play in the SEC, they play on grass. That's what they're playing on in the NFL for the most part. Um, and they're curated and manicured to perfection. Um, you know, Towson didn't have an indoor, so on days when it was raining, on days when it was windy, you just got the job done. So very blessed here that if it's <laughs> – it's been cold. It's been negative 14 degrees Celsius. And- <laughs> And we just walk into the indoor and it's like a nice summer's day. Um, like we, we're absolutely spoiled rotten with what we have here. The weight room's immaculate. We've got some of the best staff in the country here that take care of us, nutrition, strength and conditioning. Uh, our trainers are fantastic. Um, almost every meal of the day is made for us by the chefs. Um, the compliance staff take everything, take care of everything off the field. Um, eligibility, academics, um, which really is a blessing because it allows us to focus on what we've been brought here to do and that's play football and perform. Yeah. How has been the preseason so far? Are you you getting into much tough stuff? You mentioned spring balls coming up, but is there anything for you yourself that you've been working on to try and take your game to the next level, anything in particular that you want to let us know about? Um, for, for me, I think now that I've got my feet underneath me, it's just really been, it's like what I say, being as effective as I possibly can. And that's um, being as consistent as, yeah, Adam Corsak's kicking as big a ball as Tory Taylor. Obviously, you know, that's just an aspiration. But um, the the real thing for me is just doing the job for the team. Um, so I know Coach Link and I have sat down on a number of occasions to kind of map out what this year is going to look like. Um, you know, can't give away the schemes, can't give away what we're going to do there. But um, you know, I really see myself fitting in well to those schemes. Um, and yeah, there's there's a really high standard for us guys in the SEC. Like twelve or fourteen college colleges in the SEC have a um have an Aussie punter. So like when the attitude is, you know, you're here because you want to be the best. You're here because you want to play in the NFL that's the standard that you hold yourself to. So you're not just comparing yourself to other good D1 punters at um, colleges here, there and everywhere. You're comparing yourself to these guys in the NFL. So, you know, that's the standard that I'm setting for myself. That's the standard that the coaches have set for me. So, you know, everything's being done with that in mind, weight room, football, off the field. It's a very exciting time. Yeah. And looking forward to 2023 season, 
anyone that you you know you've come across training or a part of your team that we should maybe be keeping an eye out for this year? Ooh, I've I've come to be very very close with Harrison Beavis, so he's our kicker here. Um, he's had a he's had a great couple of years since he's been at Mizzou. Broke onto the scene as a freshman. Um, he sports the name the thicker kicker, <laughs> so he's 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 a he's a he's a wider frame, but wait, he's a stronger leg as they come. We were out on the practice field the other day. He was launching them from sixty, so I expect him to have a really good year. Um, there's a bunch of guys that, you know, receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, um, they were, they were able to retain a lot of guys, um, didn't lose too many to the transfer portal. Um, a lot of guys in those core expected to step up again this year. The, um, the quarterback battle is going to be pretty impressive as well. Pulled, pulled a bloke named Jake Garcia, good friend of Lou Headley from Miami, um, He's coming, yeah. He's he's looking red hot on the practice field as well. So, yeah, a lot of guys that I don't know their name, but I'm sure they do. <laughs> when I do, I'll let you know. What's your position looking like? You did mention there's another punter on the roster. Is that correct? Do you guys have? Um, was there talks about much of a battle going on, or when you sort of signed, were you sort of looked at as as the first guy in? Um. Oh look. Everything is earned, nothing is given. I'll say that much. Yeah, perfect. Love that. Um, and I suppose looking at yourself, what are your long-term goals and aspirations? You know, where do you sort of see yourself maybe in the next five years? Well, I want to play this game for as long as I possibly can, and there's only one way to do that. Yeah. So when you're in an environment like this, when the the energy and the aspiration to play in the NFL is as contagious as what it is. It consumes you, and I'm bought in 110%. Yeah, I love that. It looks like you're going to go all the way because, like, it's just, as you said, it's a big attitude thing. A lot of these guys can go along and just cruise through their college football and finish up, but it really sounds like, you know, for yourself, you're really buying into that. You really want to work hard, and and, and it's it looks like that's what it takes to get to that next level is give everything and, you know, much more. Yeah, yeah you can't leave a stone unturned like there's, you know, you hear stories about, guys that were that close and it was one or two things that were the difference. Yeah. You, you, you don't want to be that guy that looks back 10 years after your career was done and have what ifs and question marks. Like, so when you put everything on the line, win, lose or draw, you got to be satisfied with the result. So that's what I want to do. Yeah. Perfect. Well, look, thanks for joining us again, Ryan. It's been really enjoyable. We can't wait to watch you kill it out in the SEC this year. Um, so keep an eye out for you guys. I think, as you mentioned, spring ball at the end of Feb. Um, when's your season kickoff? It's sort of mid-year, isn't it? 2nd of September oh, is uh, week one. So South Dakota State, uh, no, South Dakota at home. So Pencil that one in. And then after four out-of-conference games, we, we get rolling with conference play. So No, it's very exciting. <laughs> Well, we look forward to that. And uh, again, thanks again for coming off. We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me, Zach. Looking forward to hearing it back. So yeah. take care of yourself. Look forward to speaking soon. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, mate. Take care. See ya. Thanks for letting us in your crib. It's been real. <laughs>